This is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Can you sign it for me, please? Ooh. Hi. Are you enjoying the view? Oh, it's very good at decorating that tree. Why are you messing with me? Did Crumpet put you up to this? I'm not messing with you. It's just nice to meet another human who shares my affinity for elf culture. <laughs> I'm just trying to get through the holidays. Get through? Christmas is the greatest day in the whole wide world! Please stop talking to me. Uh-oh. Sounds like someone needs to sing a Christmas carol. Go away. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Thanks, but I don't sing. Oh, it's easy. It's just like talking, except louder and longer, and you move your voice up and down. I can sing, but I just choose not to, especially in front of other people. Well, if you sing alone, you can sing in front of other people. There's no difference. Actually, there's a big difference. No, th no, there isn't. Wait. I'm singing. I'm in a store, and I'm singing. I'm in a store, and I'm singing. Hey! There's no singing in the North Pole. Yes, there is. No, it's not. We sing all the time. No, it's not. Especially when we make toys. See? Attention all Kimball shoppers. Please make your final purchases. We'll be closing in 10 minutes. Well, it's time for me to go home. But, but Santa's coming. There's so much to do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. Buddy. Buddy. All right, so uh, Buddy the Elf, huh? quite a character. Not, not uh, anything like Buddy when it comes to the movies. I got to thinking about this. If you had to create a character that was in every way the exact opposite of Ebenezer Scrooge, it is Buddy the Elf, right? No matter what room he's in, he is the most joyful person in the room. And I noticed as I've been watching that clip over the last, four thing, uh, over the last few weeks, four things about the joy that Buddy the Elf has. Do you want to know what those are? 
All right, thank you. You're going to find out anyway. Number one, Buddy's joy was rooted in his relationship with Santa, okay? So the manager comes along and he says, it's time for an announcement. You know, tomorrow morning, Santa's coming. And Buddy just explodes with joy and happiness in that moment. Why? Because he says the three words that are probably the most quoted part of this movie, which is what? I know him. I know Santa. And the joy that, that Buddy had was rooted in the fact that he actually knew who Santa was. The second thing I noticed about Buddy's joy is that Buddy's joy was anchored in truth. That sounds kind of heavy for this fun movie, but you think about it. They have this back and forth between him and the Gimbel's manager. And the manager looks at him and he says, uh, uh, this is the North Pole. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. There's no singing at the North Pole. Oh, yes, there is. No, there isn't. And Buddy knows what the truth is, and he's joyful because he knows what the truth is because he's lived in the North Pole. He's sang in the North Pole. He knows what the North Pole is really about. The third thing I noticed is that Buddy's joy was tested in uncertainty. Now, we find Buddy, he leaves the North Pole. He goes to, to New York City. He leaves his home. He doesn't have a place to live. He's trying to find his dad. He's trying to reconcile with his dad. He gets kicked out of the Empire State Building. But yet, throughout this entire movie, Buddy is always joyful no matter what the test is that he's facing. And here's the last thing I notice, and that's Buddy's joy was fueled in action. When he hears that Santa is coming tomorrow, what does he do? He hides out in the store and he spends the whole night decorating and putting up lights and cutting out snowflakes and, and making all types of, of crazy stuff. When you think about it, Buddy is by far the most joyful person in the entire movie. And really, that's the, the takeaway, I think, from the movie Elf. And it's this. Elf provides us a lesson in genuine joy, what real, authentic, genuine joy looks like. Now, joy is a word that we find often in the biblical narrative. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, what was the, the thing that we just read a moment ago that the shepherds said, I'm sorry, the angels said to the shepherds, they said, good news of what? Great Joy, And that's the, the key thought for today that you're going to hear me say a lot and you're going to walk away with that today and that's this. Good news causes great joy. Uh, can you say that with me this morning? Good news causes great joy. Think about it. When you get good news, you're filled with joy, right? You get a phone call and, and, and somebody uh, is, is pregnant, uh, especially if it's, a, if it's your first or second or third grandchild, right, grandparents? You find out that you're getting a raise or you've gotten that job or, or something's happened that you've been praying for. Good news will cause great joy. But those things right there, the things with jobs and kids and all those, those things can be fleeting at times. And that's actually not the good news that we're talking about today because we know that joy can sometimes quickly change depending upon our circumstances. More on that in a minute. But all throughout the New Testament, we see this recurring theme of good news. In Luke chapter 1, when the angel Gabriel shows up to Zechariah and tells him that you and your wife in your old age are going to have a child and he's going to be John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, he sets it up to Zechariah by saying this, I tell you this good news. Somebody say good news. When John the Baptist was stuck in prison, 
He sent his disciples to Jesus to ask them, are you the one or should we look for somebody else? And Jesus said, go tell John not only what you've heard, but what you've seen. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those who have less leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. And listen, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Acts chapter 5, the disciples are spreading out all over in Jerusalem in the, in the new region. And they're, they're telling the, the world about Jesus. And after they had been standing before the Sanhedrin, the very group of people who weeks earlier had put Jesus on the cross... Your Bible says that the disciples were flogged. They were beaten just like Jesus was before he went to the cross. But the scripture says in, John, in Acts chapter 5 that after they left the synagogue day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. The New Testament is a book full of, say it with me, good news. Good news of great joy. As a matter of fact, if you look at that word good news and you find out what it means in the Greek, it literally means to announce glad tidings. The glad tidings of a coming king and of the salvation to be uh, obtained through Christ. Just to put it in a nutshell... The gospel means good news. Good news is the gospel. And what is the gospel? It's what we sang about this morning, that Jesus came as a baby. It's that he lived a sinless life, that he died a criminal's death, but that he rose again from the dead. He ascended back to the Father, and he has a place that he is creating for you and I to be with him. That is the good news of the gospel. Can I get an amen at 9 o'clock? That's the good news. So the good news, the gospel message, watch this, causes great joy. But I want to ask you today, if you're a Christ follower, if you consider yourself a Christian, maybe you've prayed the prayer, or you come to church, or however you distinguish yourself, has this good news of the gospel caused you to live with the type of great joy that we're talking about this morning. See, if we're going to experience the good news that is the gospel, there are four things that we need to know this morning about joy. And you can probably guess they're the four things that Buddy the Elf learned about joy in his story. Watch this. Number one, genuine joy is rooted in relationship. So let's go back to Buddy. We have the the manager of Gimbel's who tells him Santa is coming tomorrow and Buddy loses his mind and he says, I know him, I know him. The result of what he said was genuine joy. And the same is true for us. If we're going to have genuine joy in our, lives, in our lives, it must be rooted in the relationship that we have with Jesus. Notice this, the night before Jesus went to the cross, Jesus speaks to his disciples about a deep, abiding relationship that they can have with him, even though he's about to go back to heaven. Watch this in John chapter 15. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. And look at this, that your what? Joy may be complete. Jesus says to them, I've told you I love you. 
so that you may have complete, genuine joy. I've told you that if you remain in me, you'll have complete, genuine joy. He looks at them and says, if you obey my commandments, you will have complete, genuine joy. I'll live in you and you'll be rooted in me and you will have complete, genuine joy. Genuine joy is rooted in relationships and in the relationship we have with Christ. Think about that word rooted. If a tree or a plant is rooted in the ground, those roots allow that tree to get nutrients from the soil and from the water and it sends it up to the tree and those nutrients make that tree grow strong and those roots in turn are able to firmly establish and provide a strong foundation for that tree. As Christians, our joy, our root, genuine joy in our lives must start with a personal relationship with Jesus. Amen? Now, what did we notice about Buddy when Buddy found out that that Santa was coming? What was Buddy's reaction? He went wild. He jumped up and down. He clapped. He sang. He, he, was, just, he was just going crazy, which tells me this. Good news causes great joy. When you spend time with Jesus every day and you have a relationship with Jesus and you come into a place like this today and you hear kids like this sing about who Jesus is and what he's done for us, guess what? It will warrant a response from us, amen? Look at what the psalmist said in Psalm 66. Shout for Joy to God, all the earth, sing the glory of his name, make his praise glorious. In Psalm 68, the psalmist said, may the righteous be glad and what? Rejoice before God, may they be happy and joyful. Psalm 95 says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Good news causes great joy and even more so, in a movie, then a movie, and we see this character who's jumping and screaming and yelling and shouting and singing. My goodness, I'm convinced Buddy the Elf was Pentecostal. <laughs> How much more should us who know Jesus, should we have genuine joy? And genuine joy is rooted in our relationship with Jesus. Amen? Here's the second thing we learned that genuine joy is from this movie. Genuine joy is anchored in truth. One of the most powerful Christmas verses is not found in Matthew. It's not found in Luke. It's found in the first chapter of John. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and what, somebody? A, the result of a genuine, rooted relationship with Jesus will be not just that we're recipients of his grace, but that we are anchored in his truth. Listen to this. In a fast-paced world that tells you, you be you. You just be whoever you, you want to be. In a world that says black isn't black anymore and white isn't white anymore and tells us that gender is whatever you want it to be and you can go to whatever bathroom you want to go to and you can marry whoever you want to. In a world where truth is relative, you better believe our truth better be anchored in Jesus. If not... We're going to be blown back and forth from everything else in the world. And as a result, we will be miserable. I see Christians 
who are miserable because they're stuck in this, not sure what to do with all the changes in our world. But when we are anchored in the truth of God's word, it will keep us and keep that genuine joy in our lives. When the back and forth happens, this is the North Pole. No, it's not. There's no singing in the North Pole. Yes, there is. When the back and forth with our culture happens, we can stand firm knowing that we are anchored in truth. Amen? One of the most powerful truths of the good news of the gospel is that Jesus is always with us. And in Philippians chapter 4, we hear Paul say this. He says, rejoice in the Lord when, somebody? Paul is so fired up about it, he's like Buddy. He's going to repeat it. He says, I'll say it again. What? Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And then there's a four-word sentence that is so powerful. He says, rejoice. Why? Because the Lord is near. And when the Lord is near, he says, listen, if the Lord is near, verse 6, do not be anxious about what? You know what anything needs in the Greek? You got it, anything. But in every situation, how? By prayer and petition. What does prayer and petition lean in? It leans into the first point of relationship. That's how we have a relationship with Jesus. But by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Genuine joy is anchored in truth. But I'm afraid there's so many Christians and Christ followers and believers today who live in unnecessary fear and worry and anxiety and depression because they don't fully understand that good news causes great joy. And I'm going to tell you that over the last nearly three years, the church in America has been exposed through everything that we've gone through with COVID and, and thank the Lord that's in our rearview mirror, but all the things that we've seen, there's been a lot of exposure of where people place their true joy. But let me remind you again what the angel said to the shepherds in verse 10. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I'll say it again. Good news causes great joy. The angels did not look at the shepherds and say, good news will cause great anxiety. Good news will cause you to fear and doubt. Good news will cause stress and worry. Good news will cause you to have anxiety. Good news will cause you, I'm always depressed. Or Good news doesn't cause you loneliness. My goodness, church, let's take the word at hand of what the word is and get out of all this garbage of anxiety and fear and worry and depression and understand, as Paul said, that the Lord is near. And because of that, I can have great joy. Will you give him praise in this house? Somebody, come on. Come on, nine o'clock, come on. Hallelujah. You don't have to live in anxiety, fear, doubt, and worry because good news causes great joy. What did we say about the relationship? We said the relationship that we have with Jesus roots us, but we said that Truth anchors us. The writer of Hebrews says hope is an anchor for our soul. And what, what two powerful images the word of God gives us that we can be rooted in Christ and anchored 
in hope. So genuine joy is rooted in relationship. Genuine joy is anchored in truth. The next thing we learn from Buddy is that genuine joy is tested in uncertainty. So we see Buddy, he's trying to find his dad and he doesn't have a place to live and he's left the familiar and everything's kind of topsy-turvy and upside down for him, yet he remains full of optimism and joy. I'm going to tell you this this morning, you know this is true. Uncertainty has a way of revealing and refining what we consider to be the source of our joy. I'm going to say that again for those of you who slept through it. Listen. Uncertainty has a way of revealing and refining what we consider to be the source of our joy. See, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Let's go back to what we talked about a moment ago. If I'm on the way to work and I get that good news that causes great joy phone call... And it's something that I've been waiting on or somebody got a job or somebody got a raise or something great happened. And I have great joy. And man, now I'm, I'm feeling good about today. I'm ready to go tackle today. How many of you know in about 30 seconds you're going to be behind somebody who's driving slow in the left lane and your joy's going to go right out the tailpipe? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. It's not joy. That's happiness. Listen to this. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. I want to say it again for those who don't listen. Say it louder for those in the back. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And God will allow. Somebody say allow. He'll allow stuff in our lives because He's sovereign and He's in control. But He will allow stuff to happen in our life to refine us and to test our joy. Don't believe me? Look at this. Look at this scripture. James chapter 1, James says, consider it pure what, somebody? When you face trials of many kinds. Oh, I know that's how y'all approach all your trials, right? Just like Buddy. You get a trial, yeah, hallelujah. Like James, man, what you talking about? But listen, he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know, those of you who've been following the Lord a long time, you better give me an amen right here. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You didn't want to walk through that, but because you walked through it and you got on the other side, you're stronger in your faith today. Amen? Let perseverance finish its work. So, long, so many times we want to get out of the trial, and I know that. I get it. We don't want to stay in that trial. But James says, hold on. Somebody say, hold on. He says, let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking what? Anything. Wow. Peter comes along in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 7. And look at this. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth. And he starts sharing the gospel. Good news that causes great joy. New birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Watch this. In all this. What's all this? What is the all this? It's the living hope. It's the inheritance. In all this, you greatly rejoice. You rejoice in what God has done through Jesus. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now we're talking to some people, right? These have come, Peter says, so that the proven 
genuineness of your faith, by the way, is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result, what's the result? Praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Genuine joy is tested in uncertainty. And I know that some of you here today, some of you who are listening to this podcast later in the week, you are experiencing some uncertainty. There's a health diagnosis that you're wrestling with. You're coming off the other side of a surgery or an accident. You're struggling with a relationship. You're you're not understanding why a certain situation is going the way it is. Maybe you're having trouble in your marriage or with your kids or your grandkids. Whatever it might be, understand that in the struggle, the Lord is near. And even in all that you're facing, as Peter and James tell us, God uses what's going on to test our joy so that our joy, that great news that causes good, great news that causes great joy, good news that causes great joy, will be in our lives and we can, we can walk through anything because we've been tested and we've come out as gold, as Peter says. As you guys give me some background music, again, we've said genuine joy is rooted in relationship. Genuine joy is anchored in truth. Genuine joy is tested in uncertainty. And here's the last one. Genuine joy is fueled in action. Here's what's pretty cool about the the story of Buddy the Elf. So everything that Buddy was facing, leaving home, his dad kicking him out of the Empire State Building and not sure what's going on. But in this story... The uncertainty that he faced that we talked about in the last point, it didn't leave him hopeless. It didn't leave him despondent. It didn't leave him without purpose. Rather, listen to this. This reminder, and he hears Santa is coming. When he hears that Santa is coming, it ignites joy in his heart and it motivates him to action. I'm going to say that again because y'all missed it. When he hears that Santa is coming, it ignites his joy and it motivates him to action. And all night long, he's cutting up snowflakes and stringing trees and putting up lights and putting out, uh, busting up pillowcases to make snow. Why? Because Santa is coming. Because genuine joy is fueled in action. How did the disciples respond after being with Jesus for three years? What did the resurrection do for them? It didn't cause them to go back to the tax collector's booth, to the the zealot club, or the fishing camp. It caused them to find themselves in a room with about 110 other people seeking for the presence and the power of God through the Holy Spirit and their lives would be transformed and a match would be lit on the hills of the resurrection of Jesus. And the joy that they had experienced from seeing Jesus walk, talk, die, and rise from the dead would ignite them to action. What did we say a while ago in Acts chapter 5? That they left the temple, they left the Sanhedrin, watch this, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And day after day in the temple and from house to house, look at this, they never stopped. You couldn't stop them. 
They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus was the Messiah. And we see this all throughout the book of Acts over and over and over again. You know, I've seen this fact, this point, genuine joy is fueled in action right here in this house this year. Third Sunday in May of this year. Love Your City Sunday where 300 of you canvassed out all over the neighborhood and all over our county. And we didn't have church that morning. We didn't have church, but we were the church as we went out all over this community in nursing homes and schools and and people's homes who needed help. And the list went on and on and on. And I sensed and saw a joy as we were heading into that, planning that event, during the event and after the event that, that I've probably never seen in a church body before. Why? Because genuine joy is fueled in action. When we do things, when we step out and we use the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given us, then our joy will only be multiplied. We said it a few weeks ago, we were not created to, to our gifts weren't created to be stored, but to be poured. And so that last conversation, Jody, Jody looks at Buddy and says, well, it's time for me to go home. And Buddy says, but Santa's coming. There's so much to do. Y'all, y'all know what the next sentence is, don't you? Y'all know what the next sentence is? Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. There's so much to do. Let's not pack it up and go home. Jesus is coming. There is so much to do. And may we be like the shepherds who visited the manger, encountered the, the Messiah, Jesus. And look at what Luke 2, 17 through 18 says. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Genuine joy is fueled in action. So the most quoted line, we've already said it this morning of this entire movie is, I know him. And that as Christ followers and believers, we should know him in a way that reflects the type of joy, genuine joy that we've talked about this morning. Because good news causes great joy, amen? So let me ask you this morning, If you had a joy tank, we could see the, the lever of your joy tank, where would your joy be? You're running low, you're under, you under half a tank, you're under a quarter tank. See, some of you, it just hit me, some of you are just like you do with your joy, just like we do with our car. I can make it. Oh man, this is really good preaching, it's not in my notes. Thank you, Lord. Here we go. I can make it. I can make it to the next stop. I can make it all along. What did Paul tell us? The Lord is what? Near. Say that with me. The Lord is near. So, so that means every minute of every hour, I, can, I have access because of what Jesus has done to refill my joy when my tank is low. 
And some of you, man, life has just kicked you in the head over and over and over. I want to tell you, you've heard some good news today. That good news that you've heard these students sing about today, this good news you've heard preached about today, if it is not causing great joy in your life, something's wrong. And it's not, he's not the problem. It's you. You've heard the gospel saying, you've heard the gospel preached this morning. What is it? Is your joy dependent upon the wrong things? Is your joy up and down dependent upon what's going on with the world around you? Perhaps your joy tank is empty simply because you have a relationship with the church and not Jesus. You have a connection with the things of God, but not the Son of God. There's a big difference, y'all. There's a big difference when you can say, I know Him. I know Him. Amen? I want us to bow our heads all over the room this morning and I want to ask two questions today as we come to the end of the service. Number one, have you lost your joy? Are you low on joy? Is your joy being dependent upon the wrong sources and the wrong things? And you would say, Pastor, this message was for me today and you have just, you have revealed the level of where my joy is and it's low and I, I need a refill today. Will you just raise your hand and put it right back down? And that's hands all over the room right now. Who else? Who else? Man, I, I'm low on joy. A lot of hands right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment for us to pray specifically about where you might find yourself with that. Here's the second thing I want to ask today. How many of you would say, you know, my tank's empty simply because I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus? I, I'm kind of the Southern Christian who kind of comes to church and I'm, you know, this or that. And I, you know, but but I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I would love to pray with you today and lead you in a prayer for you to make a decision to walk in a personal relationship with Jesus. Is there anybody like that here today? You'd raise your hand and put it right back down. Go, go. Did I see one hand. Anybody else two? Anybody else three? Anybody else today does not have a personal relationship with Jesus? Praise the Lord. Three people at least just raise their hand saying they need to be in a personal relationship with Jesus. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for those who want to be in a personal relationship with Jesus first, and then I'm going to lead all of us in a prayer today. If you're here this morning and you are not a Christ follower, or maybe you just do church and you've not experienced the joy that we've talked about this morning, I want to lead you in a prayer today where you can make a decision to put Jesus first in your life. And I'm going to ask everybody in the room to pray this prayer. Hey, even if you didn't raise your hand and you're like, I know I need to pray this today, I want to encourage you to pray it with us as well today. Let's pray together. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he took my sins to the cross that he died in my place and that you raised him to life. I'd like to trust him now as my Savior and follow him as Lord from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to ask everybody to stand this morning. And Blake, if you'll put Psalm 5112 up on the screen. For those of you who said, Pastor... I'm low. I'm low on joy. 
There's a beautiful prayer that David prays in Psalm 51. Look at it. Very simple. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. How many of you would say, that's the prayer I need to pray today? How many of you say, that's the prayer I need to pray today? You've been talking to me today, Pastor. I'll wait. How many of you? There's more than three. This message is for a lot more than that. Some, how many of you? I'm low. I'm low, Pastor. I'm low on joy. This message was for you today. Here's a promise we've learned today from God's Word. The Lord is near. Paul says the Lord is near. So when we pray that prayer today, Lord, restore the joy of my salvation. And the presence and power of of Jesus says that he will do that. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. And if you raised your hand or you didn't, and you're low on joy today, and you've not experienced that great joy that we're talking about today, you're a Christ follower, and whatever it is, wherever you're in that place, will you right now pray this prayer right there where you're at as I pray for you today? I want you to pray this prayer in your heart today. Lord, today, I thank you for dozens of people who are responding to this message today by saying, I'm low on joy. I'm not experiencing the great joy that the Scripture talks about today. And God, we pray the prayer of David today. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant a willing spirit to sustain me. Lord, all over this room today, God, you see those, Lord, who find themselves in a place where they're they're low on joy, they're depleted. And God, this message today was for them. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, right now, that in this moment they would begin to sense that you are near that you would surround them with your love, you would surround them with your grace, and God, that they would sense you refilling and renewing the joy that only comes from you. Lord, we praise you for what you've done in this house today. We thank you, God, for lives that have been changed and accepted you as their Savior, and we believe that those who are asking for a refilling of joy today are going to be changed by the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can we give God praise today all over the house for what he's done? Amen. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, for what you've done in this house today. God, may you go with us and keep us, and may we walk close to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in worship today. We'll see you back here Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for Family Ministries Night. Have a great afternoon.